The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Things are not as they should be. Something is seriously wrong, right? On our streets, in our cities, across the nation, even our own immediate communities. I mean, trillions of dollars have been spent to help move people out of poverty, out of homelessness, and help people who are in financial crisis. All while politicians and communities are trying to figure out, you know, how can we care for hundreds of thousands, even millions of new illegal immigrants coming over the border if we can't even care for the people in our own communities now? And our communities are in need, and this isn't about politics, but really about what can we do to make a difference with those in need, in greatest need, the most vulnerable people in our communities, when in reality, and and these statistics I'm gonna give you are kind of like generalized for our region. So this includes um, Franklin County, Washington County, Frederick County, so in your immediate neighborhood or your immediate city, it may look a little different, but about one in eight individuals in this region are living in poverty or below the poverty line. One in five children are living in poverty. One in four African-Americans are living in poverty. Um, I'm sorry, one in three African-Americans and one in four Latinos and one in three female-headed households are in poverty. You know what happened during the pandemic? I mean, you lived through it, so you know. 74.7 million people lost their jobs. Nearly 75 million people out of work. Now, over the past two and a half years, many of those jobs have been regained, right? And you think to yourself, because you see, you know, know, um, opportunities for people to be hired all over the place, but there's people who lost their jobs and because of the pandemic, their life situation changed and now they can't get back to work. And so that set their family up for a greater financial crisis. Then you add to it our current um, national recession, whether we call it that or not, we know that we're all experiencing it. Why? Because we have a nation that is experiencing an 8.5% inflation rate. Not month over month, but if you compare year to year, cost of everything has gone up. In fact, as a result of the pandemic, uh, at least last year, and I think this trend is true right now, about 25% of people say that they struggle to put food on the table. So this is like broad, sweeping financial crisis, economic difficulty, people who it's affecting their own personal lives. And now what that does is that means those that were already in poverty are even in a greater state of crisis. And so the key question is this, what difference can we make? What can we do to make a difference in our own communities? And so that leads me to Dr. Luke. Luke was a physician 2,000 years ago, who recognized the limits of his education and the limits of what he could do to help people. Meaning what he could do is use his education and his expertise to help people and treat their diseases and their sickness. But he recognized those limitations. And maybe that's where you find yourself right now. When you hear those numbers and those statistics, it feels overwhelming. You think, what difference can I make? Even if you're very wealthy, you're, you're looking at all of the problems and you think, well, what, even my generosity is a drop in the bucket. Luke 
recognizing his own limitations, was drawn to and attracted to the church. He met Christians who truly believed in Jesus as the son of God, and so he began to investigate the life and teachings of Jesus and became persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was. And as he interviewed these eyewitnesses, he began to put together the stories of the life and teachings of Jesus and later wrote an account of the life and teachings of Jesus called the Gospel of Luke. But he also got connected with the church, became part of the church, became a follower of Jesus, and began to participate in the activities of the church and later wrote a historical account of the early church called the Book of Acts. Well, if you go to the Gospel of Luke, through his eyewitness interviews and his experience, he writes down this account, and in it, you hear the story of when Jesus first begins to start his ministry. He, he goes throughout the countrysides and he's preaching in different villages and then he comes home where he's gonna introduce his, miss, his mission, his message, and his ministry. And so he goes into the synagogue like he normally would do on the Sabbath day and as a visiting rabbi or as a, as a celebrity rabbi who's come home, he's invited to stand up and preach for a moment. And so in order to preach, they hand you a scroll and that particular day, they gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opened it up to the place where it's written and, and what he would have been reading from was Isaiah chapter 61. And so he opens it up and he begins to read and the opening line says this, and it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter four, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me or is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There it is. Jesus rolls the scroll back up. He hands it back to the attendant. He begins to offer commentary. And part of his commentary is he says this, today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. In essence, I am the fulfillment of what you just heard. This passage is about the coming Messiah who would, would um, be God in human form, who would be anointed by the Spirit of God, who would transform the world. And he connects the dots. And the, the first statement that he reads, which is, you know, if it's the first thing, it's probably an important thing. And it says, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. And this good news is heard by his community and it, he spreads it throughout his life. And Jesus doesn't just bring good news, he is good news. And when we hear that good news, it changes us. And we're challenged not just to receive that good news, but to share that good news. And we share good news through our generosity. I wanna challenge you. You're invited to share good news through generosity. The, the challenge is not just that there's poverty around us. It's not, some of you may be hearing this and you, you, you're experiencing poverty. Maybe, maybe right now you're in a season of financial crisis or financial hardship and you're in need. Let, let me, I don't wanna, I wanna misuse or misappropriate this, but I do wanna make sure that we don't miss this moment. The reality is that every one of us are in poverty. Not necessarily financially, but the reality is that we are all experiencing an incredible poverty spiritually. Part of the reason why there are so many different challenges in the world around us is because something is wrong and it's not the way it's supposed to be because something is wrong inside of us. That's right, you and I are spiritually bankrupt. 
as a result of sin. Good news only makes sense if you know the bad news. So Jesus said, I came to bring, to announce good news to the poor. So who's the poor? You and me. All of us are poor. What he was talking about is there is good news for those that recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt. That you and I have gotten ourselves in so deep over our heads in debt that we could never work our way out of it. It wouldn't matter how many years you work. It wouldn't matter if you went into eternity and spent an eternity working. You would never make enough to pay your way out of the spiritual debt and bankruptcy you've experienced. What am I talking about? I'm, re- I'm saying this, that you and I have gotten ourselves deep in over our head spiritually because of sin. Sin is not something you do, it's something we are. You and I have an instinct that separates us from relationship with God and drives us away from God into a life course of constantly adding more and more spiritual debt. Every time we do the wrong thing, every time we say the wrong thing, every time we have a wrong attitude, every time we think the wrong thing, it's like, it's like we're swiping the charge card of sin and it just is, it continues to accumulate and it only takes one swipe to get you in to an eternal indebtedness. You could never pay it off. You and I are spiritually bankrupt and spiritually in so much debt that you could, you could work an entire eternity and never get yourselves out of debt. And that's the idea of eternal judgment is it's the forever payment for a sin problem. But God, Jesus said, I, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. And, and this, this word proclaim, remember where all of this is translated from uh, the Greek. So the, Luke is originally writing this in, in, in Greek. The, the passage Jesus is quoting was originally written in Hebrew. So then we're trying to make sense of these words. So when Jesus says, he's quoting, it says, I, I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me or on me and he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, what he's saying is, I've come to announce or herald, right? Some of you, you know, the Herald Mail, uh, some newspapers or you know, different websites might be called the Herald, right? Um, and it's this idea of announcing something. And, and so what, is, what do news channels do? I know your mind is going toward fake news and right news, whatever. Uh, what I'm talking about is what is the responsibility of a news agency to announce or to herald news? And so you can herald bad news. You can herald good news. Jesus said that I, Spirit of the Lord is upon me to herald or to announce good news. So think about like what a journalist does. Well, back in the day, someone would come into town and they begin to shout the news. Sometimes it was bad news. Sometimes it was good news. So how does news spread today? Maybe, where do you get your news from? Probably you read headlines on news sites, maybe on your phone, maybe on social media. Maybe it's somebody posting something in all caps, right? And so the way you get your good news or bad news is similar to how Jesus is saying, I've been empowered by God's spirit to announce good news, The bad news is we are spiritually bankrupt and we are spiritually so much in debt that we could work all of eternity and never get ourselves out of it. He goes, and I've come to give you good news. That's for everyone who's in poverty. If you're spiritually bankrupt, I have good news for you. And the good news of Jesus is that it's not just that he brings good news or announces good news, it's that he is good news. Think about it. Jesus was born, the son of God, 
into poverty. He could have been born into royalty. He could have been treated uh, as the ruler of the world. He could have had the red carpet rolled out for him. He chose to embrace poverty and suffering and death. Why? To announce good news that he was and is the response of God to our bankruptcy. So Jesus gives his life as the payment for the eternal life we would have to spend always only paying off the bare minimum of the debt we owe. So Jesus gives his life, the son of God, surrendering his life in judgment, absorbing our eternal death sentence, absorbing all of our debt on our behalf, his life, the payment we owed. So when he died, he died once for all. He paid all of the debt for all of us so that anyone who chooses to believe in Jesus by faith, their debt wiped clean. His name gets placed. Like think about, you've gone to a restaurant, you go out to eat and somebody says, I got the tab. Jesus took the tab for everyone. Now you could say, no, 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 I'm gonna keep my tab and it'll cost you your life in eternity. But Jesus says, for anyone who's willing to give me their tab, I got it. It's already, they're all paid in full, but you gotta be willing to acknowledge me. So when you believe in Jesus by faith, you're acknowledging Jesus and you're receiving his death and resurrection life as the payment for your sin, your spiritual indebtedness, your bankruptcy, your poverty. And, And that's it, right? Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he gives victory over death, right? Because now we know that life doesn't end in death. Death ends in forever life. We have victory through Jesus Christ. The good news is that I don't have to live in spiritual poverty. I don't have to live bankrupt. I don't have to live constantly feeling like God is out to get me. I don't have to go into eternity embarrassed and ashamed, knowing that I can never earn or deserve my way to heaven. The only thing I've earned and deserved is eternal punishment. But through faith in Jesus, I've been given new and forever life. Come on, that's worth celebrating. So you're here right now and you're recognizing, man, there's a, there's a debt that I carry that I could never pay. You're ready to receive the gift of forgiveness and new life through faith in Jesus. Would you say yes to Jesus right now? Those of you joining us in Frederick, you're brand new to this. We are celebrating you guys in Frederick. In fact, Hagerstown's celebrating with you guys. Man, we're excited for what God's beginning to do down in Frederick through Lifehouse um, uh, our new Lifehouse campus. Those of you in, in Hagerstown, I, mean, I just wanna invite you, every one of you, would you take a moment quickly and just examine your heart? Are you ready to say yes to Jesus by faith? And if you're ready to make that commitment, it's between you and God, you just say yes to God. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and make me new. Would you also let us know that? You can scan the QR code that's up on the screen. And what you're doing when you scan that, right, that's not how you're making your commitment, but you're letting us know about the commitment. And when you let us know, we wanna follow up with you. One of our pastors is gonna reach out to you um, and, and just encourage you as you begin this new relationship with God. Look, we're not gonna overwhelm you. We just wanna make sure that we give you the tools you need as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. Something powerful about this statement, Jesus saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim Good news to the poor. When you think about what Jesus did, he embraced poverty. 
He, he entered into the nation of Israel when they were oppressed by the Roman occupying forces. So he's born into oppression, into abuse and misuse, into poverty. He, you know, not just hardworking, but a blue-collar worker. He, the people he reaches are, are under op- Roman oppression. They're being mistreated and abused. Jesus came and embraced and identified those in poverty, those in oppression, those who are suffering, those in anguish. He identified with them and he gave them dignity. If you jump to another one of the gospels, so another account of the life and teachings of Jesus written through the the eyewitness lens of Matthew. He records this kind of probably what's considered the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus says this. It's recorded in the the Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verse three, where Jesus says, blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? He says, you're blessed when you recognize your spiritual bankruptcy. You're blessed when you recognize that there's nothing you can ever do to earn or deserve heaven. Why? Because then and only then can you inherit the kingdom of heaven. When you recognize that you don't deserve heaven, then you receive heaven. If you think you deserve it, then you demand it. But when you don't believe you deserve it and you realize I can't earn it or work for it, then I'm willing to accept it as a gift. I'm willing to receive good news. You know what the point is? Good news gives dignity. He said, blessed are you. Blessed are the poor, for they will receive kingdom of heaven. Jesus is speaking dignity over those in spiritual poverty and those in financial poverty. Jesus came identifying with the poor, the suffering, the hurting, the lonely, the 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 refugee. He, he didn't just acknowledge them. He was one of them. So he, he affirms their value and their dignity. This is personal, not political. Listen to me. Jesus gave value to people. He identified with them. He spoke dignity over them. And so as a result, when we, when we take on the life of Jesus, right? So we receive value because we recognize we are spiritually bankrupt. Jesus gives dignity to me. He goes, Patrick is blessed when he recognizes his spiritual poverty. Then he can receive the kingdom of heaven. You are blessed in your spiritual poverty. When you acknowledge it, then you can receive the kingdom of heaven. See, when I, when I, understand and acknowledge and accept my spiritual poverty, then I'm willing to receive the gift of Jesus' life and the payment of his death and the power of his resurrection to pay off my debt and give me new and forever life. Let's be careful that we treat people with dignity and respect. Remember, things are not as they appear to be. Sometimes things are different than on first examination. Wealth and poverty are not as we imagine when you look at it through the lens of Christianity and Jesus. What I mean is this, we often think that if someone is financially wealthy, then they must be spiritually blessed. Or if they are financially poor, they must be spiritually poor. 
But, but you know that that's not the case, right? Someone, it's really about being righteous, doing what's right, or not doing what's right. So we'll, we'll just use righteous and unrighteous. So the reality is that you could be financially uh, wealthy, but the real question is, are you um, rich, righteous, or rich, unrighteous? Similarly, you know, in po- poverty is not necessarily, I mean, just because someone's in poverty doesn't make them good, right? You could be poor, righteous, or poor, unrighteous. So it's about doing what's right, regardless of what financial state you're in. And what that means is that we treat people with dignity, regardless of what state they're in. We're not there to judge or attack or deny someone value. How God approaches people is the way we should see people. And specifically, when you think about the fact that there are Christians in poverty, Recognize that someone who is poor, righteous, they're doing what's right, but they're suffering. They are a gift. They're a gift to the world. This is why we respond and see their value and their dignity. We we offer, we make sure we treat them with dignity because the reason they're a gift is because through them, we can see that money's not everything. Money's not what it's all about. You can be financially poor and be full of joy. You could be financially poor and deeply care for your neighbor. You could be financially poor and have a rich life, right? And so we see through the lens of Christians in poverty what it looks like to suffer, what it looks like to endure poverty well, to experience poverty and still find your riches in eternity. So we look at it through a lens of we give dignity and value to others, but we also have to do something There's a story of the life of Jesus recorded in two different places. I'm going to kind of briefly move between them where Jesus Jesus is on his way to to help a rich man, a a wealthy rich ruler whose uh, daughter is sick and possibly dying. And on his way, he stopped. So we're going to go to uh, the gospel of Mark chapter five, verse 26. And he, and he stopped, he stops because a, a, a poor, sick woman stop, um, touches him. So we're gonna jump in and read it briefly. Mark chapter five, verse 26. Uh, it says this about her. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. So now she's bankrupt. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So not only, so she's in a desperate spot. She's got nothing left, nothing worked, and now what is she gonna do? So here here it is. The woman um, reaches out and she touches Jesus, believing that if she touched him, she would be healed. She touches him, she's healed. This healing act causes Jesus to stop and acknowledge her. Jesus said, "Um, someone touched me. I know the power, that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not get, go unnoticed, she was trying to avoid being noticed, right? She, she's used to being unseen and she wants to stay unseen, but Jesus wants to make sure that people see her. She realized that she can't go unnoticed. She came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all of the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, with great affection. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Something powerful about this moment. You know, Jesus could have just kept walking. 
He didn't have to stop and acknowledge this woman who touched her. She had received her healing. But Jesus wanted to do more than just make sure she was healed. He wanted to give her value and dignity. He's on the way to a rich ruler's home, and he pauses that mission to care for this sick, poor woman and give her value and dignity. And what does it say? It says that she, in, in her fear, fell at his feet, but Jesus lifted her in her faith. She's healed in faith. He gives her value. He acknowledges her with dignity. He affirms her. He speaks life over her. And he, and like, so he, he, it's not just about healing physically. It's about a supernatural spiritual healing that gives her value and honor and dignity. Here's the thing. Good news becomes personal and practical. We don't just stop at declaring good news or speaking good news, good news to the poor. It's that good news means it, uh, we get personally and practically involved in the lives of people around us. Jesus took the time to acknowledge her and then she falls in fear and he lifts her up in faith. We have to make sure that the practical application of the good news of the gospel is that we get personally and practically involved in the crises and the pain and the problems and the poverty around us. We, we don't just leave things said, but we need to lift people up, right? That's, that's why we say we don't, we don't just give handouts. We give a hand up. We're getting involved not just by giving entitlements, right? Like that's the challenge. Where's the dignity? No, we want to help people. Because you could throw a whole bunch of money at a problem and it doesn't help people get out of it. But if you begin to get involved in people's lives and so many of the for our city efforts that we're involved with is getting down into the weeds of the pain and the crises that people are going through so that they actually can begin to take real strides out of poverty, out of homelessness. What people need is for us to add dignity to their life and value to their life, to, to, to um, affirm their humanity, say you are a person who's made in the image of God. You are important to us. You matter to us. And we're here to help, not just give you a handout, but give you a hand up. That's what you see in the life of Jesus. Jesus was um, preaching and a wealthy, rich ruler came to him, a different one, and, G and says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, obey the commandments. Kind of like, you know, the 10 commandments. And he said, well, I I've been doing all that. And in Luke 18, verse 22, um, Jesus gives him this challenge. He goes, okay, you you've been doing all those commands. Here's the thing. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Here's the thing. What Jesus was saying was that this guy thought he needed to do one thing to get into eternity, but what he needed was to acknowledge that he had nothing that was to get him into eternity and he would have to give up everything in order to gain everything on the other side of eternity. Does that mean that you and I have to give up everything in order to go to heaven? No, no, no. It was this. This guy had his, his idol, his value, his self-worth was attached to his net worth. Jesus was saying, you don't need to do one thing. You got to let go of everything because it's got you. 
It's not just that you've got it, it's got you. The good news releases you from attaching your identity and your self-worth to your net worth. Here's what happens. The good news transforms us and makes us generous. Good news becomes generous. Good news releases generosity. Here's what you and I know, but even though we know it, it's tough to believe it and then act on it. Your joy and true deep inner delight, your happiness does not come from anything you receive other than receiving faith and you know, receiving Jesus through faith. It's not what you receive, but what you give that gives you joy. So many of us have been lied to. We've been tricked into believing that our joy, the deepest inner delight that we're longing for is just a, a vacation, a purchase, one new thing away from us but it's never that. Your deepest joy is found not in what you get, but what you give. Good news becomes generous. It releases something in you that lets go of your hoarding and your holding on and allows you to help the hurting. And here's something powerful. Good news driven generosity gives more than just what you put on the check or what you drop in the box or what you send to the church or how, whatever you're giving motivated by God's good news goes beyond what you could have done on your own. What I'm saying is this, you give to another organization and your motivation is not from God. That $100 is $100. It can only do what $100 does. But when good news compels you to generosity, you're giving that to God. That's why we invite people to give to and through the local church, to and through Lifehouse, because we know that something supernatural happens when we give to God. As you give to God in and through the church, it's not just the gift. The gift is touched by God and it goes from being your best to God's best and it's blessed and it becomes something more than you could have ever done on your own. It could become something more than your generosity outside of God could have accomplished. And so good news compels generosity because it's good news in us that becomes good news through us. And so as a response, right, of For Our City Series, we're inviting you to become the response of God, to become the generosity of God, to let God take hold of what you have and use that to transform other people's lives, to help us as a church, right? So you're part of it. Help us as a community of faith to become the response of God to the needs, the pain, the problems, the crises, the hurting around us. As we give, God blesses and it does more than it could have ever done on its own. It becomes worth more than you hoarding it. And I'm not calling you a hoarder, please hear me. But, but whatever we give, becomes worth more than what we had when we kept it. It goes into the hands of God and it, it, it becomes the expression of God's generosity. And then it's multiplied by God to accomplish more than it could have accomplished if we had just given it without being motivated by the good news of God. Can I encourage you? Where is there, where is there a tight fistedness in your heart that needs to be softened by the good news of God's love, would you make sure that you've received that good news today? And where does the good news need to work in you to give you dignity? Where do you need to make sure you're giving dignity to others? Even others that 
maybe in the past you've looked down on? How can you give them dignity and value? How does the good news wanna change your heart so that you become personally and practically involved in the crises around you? And how does good news wanna compel you to generosity? Are you being generous? Let's be generous, people. Your joy is found in what you give, not in what you get. Can I take a moment and just pray over you right now? Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son. You gave out of the expression of not just generosity, but good news. To rescue us from the bad news of sin and eternal judgment. Now, God, we receive that good news and we want to walk in that good news. God, may, may the good news in us become good news through it. May it express itself practically and personally by us giving dignity to others and honoring them and giving value to people and may be expressed through our generosity. God, would you make Lifehouse a generous church, not just what we give as an organization, but every individual involved, that they would become an expression of your generosity. Each person hearing this message is a unique and powerful expression of your generosity as they find their joy in giving rather than getting. So God, help us to worship you through generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.